Hey, welcome to another episode of our series in January called Lead Through Your Bleed. We have a great guest today. You guys are in for a treat. We've got a warrior when it comes to health and wellness and mindset proficiency. We have Amy Ledeen with us today, who is a co-owner of uh, Lean Bodies Consulting and Amy Ledeen Fitness, where she works with thousands of high-achieving um, women all over the world. She is has a great testimony herself of weight loss, lost 90 pounds, and has kept it off for over 18 years. Um, she is just an expert in mastering mindset, and she's overcome her share of hurdles. And when we do this series called Lead Through Your Bleed, Amy has experienced many uh times in her life where the per proverbial bleed has happened. In fact, some of her stuff was, has led to emotional and physical hemorrhaging, if you will. Um, she is, uh, she's familiar with uh, working with U.S. Navy boot camps, helping train some of their, their guys to get qualified, to get to the next level and to even be allowed in, uh, on their basic training stuff. So she's been directly involved with that. She is, um, she scaled her first online business to six figures in under a year. At the same time, she's battling stage four lung cancer. Um, and she's been in and out of remission with that, battled it for like seven years, I believe. And so interested to hear that journey. But again, uh, Amy is a dynamic perspective. She's got a faith perspective in Christ that uh, really has carried her through many of those valleys. And she's has she's the epitome of leading while you're bleeding uh, emotionally, you know, physically, um, spiritually, relationally, those things. And she's managed to run businesses and lead her family. Um, and so she is going to talk to us today about how to overcome, but not only that, how to forge ahead as a leader when people need you, but you're going through some of your own stuff. And she's celebrating a top 10 ranking on her podcast called F it, the letter F it podcast. And it is not the bad F. Uh, you need to look at it. She's got some categories in there. They all start with F. So they're all empowering. They're all uh, motivating and inspiring. And so Amy Ledeen is with us today, and I want you to dig in because she's got some gold for you. So help me welcome Amy Ledeen to Last In Line. Amy Ledeen, what is up? Welcome to Last In Line podcast. Thank you for having me. After our conversation the other day, I'm like, man, we could probably talk forever. <laughs> hey, I mean, like-minded, you would be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't be that, you know, how much we have in common when you start talking about faith and blessings and just different things, grace and mercy. So, you know, we're going to touch on a lot of topics today. And, you know, this series is lead through your bleed. And we all have our own brand of what bleed looks like. And we all, you know, it, it, some of us, it's a hemorrhage at times. Some of us, it's a slow fade, a slow bleed. And, and, and some of those are self-induced and some of them aren't. And so what my goal is to share stories of not only just some adversity um, and some hardship, but people who led through that. And your name, 
is Ladine, but lead is the first three words. So <laughs> you're on the hook. You have to yes. be. Um, so you're a leader through some of what we're going to talk about on your journey. And maybe if you want, um, if you wouldn't mind, maybe for the listeners, give kind of a backstory, just kind of your way up through the ranks. Cause like I mentioned in the intro, you're, you're a wellness and a mindset coach. You're super fit. Haven't always been, um, you've been battling, uh, cancer for what, seven years? Eight years now, yeah. 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 And so, um, you've had some ups and downs. So take us through some of your journey, um, along the way, just kind of after like early adulthood ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, just to go back just a little bit. So I grew up in a, you know, I would say a fundamental religious home. And I, I say that because I think a lot of it shapes us as we get older, because I didn't really have my own testimony. I didn't really ever question things. I really, I grew up in a home where it was like, you know, we believed in God and stuff, but I'd never really had to put that, you know, to the test um, until what really first shaped my life was when I was 17 years old, I ended up pregnant. And I was someone that like, I had everything going for me. Like, if you want someone, you want to point someone in the way I would have been, I was, well, at the time I was student body president. I had a 3.83 GPA, you know, like I had schools planned, you know, I did all the things to be well-rounded and ended up pregnant. And that obviously really overnight changed my life. Growing up in this, the religious home that I was in, you know, the belief of this church was that if you're unable or unwilling to get married, you must place the baby for adoption. Now, totally no regrets with that. I think it's just when religion gets involved, I knew that that would kind of probably come back to haunt me later in my life. Because again, it's like, you know, not your own decision making, but no regrets there. But that I really think, like when you talk about leading through your bleed, like if I'm to look back, it is actually my adoption that really flipped a switch to be, I never wanted to be the teenage pregnancy statistic. Mm. And I refused. I was like saying goodbye to my daughter, knowing that I don't want her someday to come find me. And I am like, cause at the time it was like that teenage mom show was on MTV and you know, like I didn't want to be that person. And so my pain really unconsciously for many years drove me. I didn't know it. it was almost to a fault. Like I afterwards became, you know, I was the youngest director of a Tiffany and company jewelry store at like 19. I was speaking Japanese. Like I, I had a lot of great things that would come my way, but it truly was because I wanted to work really hard not to be that statistic. Um, I was overweight, you know, in my twenties and, you know, lost, I, I call it 90 pounds, but it really is like a hundred. When I look at, I was 230, I'm like 130 now, but at the time, you know, I just the good old fashioned way, my husband was in the military and I learned that, you know, your environment is such a big part of success. And you see that even, you know, with my, with my journey with cancer and things I'll share today, it's so much of what you put in front of you and what you see, what you listen to, what you watch, who your friends are. So at the time I knew I didn't have supportive friends and I knew that my husband wasn't necessarily supporting it. So when he would deploy, I lost my weight. Like I knew it was nutrition and did that. And that's what really ended up helping me get into my career. You know, it's what I love doing. So from, you know, about gosh, 28 on, I started personal training, led to teaching boot camps for the U.S. Navy. I um, loved that. All the guys that would fail their PRT, they got to come to my class. And um, through that, 
really then got interested in um, nutrition. And then that's what led me to move online. Like back then, you know, people were into, if you were into competition, like bodybuilding, it was a small niche. Nowadays, I think social media has made it more involved, but back then you had to go on forums to find, you know, like stuff. So this is where I met my husband. And I say that because, you know, I I share this, it's always the, the sting for me, but, um, I know I'm a different person now, so it's easier to share over the years, but about 11 years ago, I had an affair. I, you know, I've been married for 15 years. You know, I never thought I would be someone that would do something like that because I grew up in a home where I watched, I had my dad, my dad had an affair and it, it, it really devastated, you know, my mom. And, um, but hindsight, I think, you know, being a spiritual person and being a Christian, I put my guard down on so many things that I took for granted, things that I even heard people like Joyce Meyer say, like, you don't have friends of the opposite sex. It just doesn't go anywhere positive. Right. Right. And so it started there with the little things. It wasn't like I was even really honestly, unhappily, it wasn't like I was super unhappy married, but it was that he was filling a void and um, for whatever. And long story short, our spouses had given us permission to go to a football game together they both didn't like football and so which again they look back and they're like what were we thinking went to a football game and um we drank that night ended up having sex one time and he lived in canada i lived down here in the states in virginia at the time and went back home and i mean we were close friends too at the time too and and we all and he was religious i say too spiritual where we both went home and were like this is the worst thing i'm going to hell like we have to you know repent for this all this six weeks later i started getting nauseated and didn't think anything of it and i was pregnant now the crazy thing about this and this is where you have to see that everything happens for you because at the time I'm not thinking that, but I also look at the circumstances of it being a one time. The crazy thing is me and my former husband had already tried for five years to have another baby unsuccessfully. I'd had a couple um, ectopic pregnancies. So I had already even been told I wouldn't have more kids. Um, So it was just so many things. Right. And um, that was probably the explosion for change in my life. I never dealt with the 17 year old stuff that, you know, when I was in high school, I never dealt with finding self-love. That's what it is. It's, and it's finding love through God. Like that's my biggest thing. If I, I mean, I have so much more assurance in myself because I know I have that special partner with me. Right. I didn't right. ever seek that out. So I was looking for validation through men. Like I didn't have a strong like father figure. Yeah. So yeah. they always say like the way you see God is the right. way your father usually is. And, you know, I mean, I love my dad, but it just was not, you know, my needs were not met. And then that is what led into like the teenage thing, which then if I would have worked on that, I probably would have not been seeking out unconsciously, like acceptance, love, whatever. Right. Right. Um, So that was my explosion for change. I actually, I, at that point got, well, if I had showed up to church, I would have been excommunicated. So I, I'm, you know, I might as well share. I'm LD. I was LDS. It was Mormon for until I was, you know, 35. At that point in the Mormon church, if you're, you know, you uh, infidelity or affairs can have you be excommunicated. I didn't want my children to experience because I know how the church, I mean, I grew up in the church and I grew up in like the Utah Mormon church. Like it's, it's a lot of like judgment as a, as a family. So it's like my kids would wear my sin, you know, and I didn't want that. So it was a blessing in disguise because it's what finally made me really like 
I, I Googled how to prove the Bible not true. Like I legit actually searched that because I was like so angry at the time, you know, to only find out that it was like he was giving me sign after sign, you know, like I right. couldn't even deny it. And that was right. what, you know, led me on that. Um, well, so can I, let's, let me just kind of, let's break this up. Yeah. Cause I know there's, <laughs> there's really, there's really that version of your, you know, that story. And then there's the, post and exactly remarried and cancer and those kinds of so this if we want to just chop this up into a part one of two um i want to ask what is our or let me ask why your reflex or what you think the reason is that your reflex during your teenage pregnancy and then the aftermath being so driven and overcompensating and trying to sort of I don't know if you were trying to make up for something or you were just trying to push so hard to either shove it down and not address it and just go accomplish a bunch of things so that you could sort of replace that part of your life with something else. What about us as people, in your opinion, as leaders, why do we, why is our reflex to kind of shut in and shut down versus do what you do? Cause I don't, I don't know a lot of people that in that moment, that Valley, would that do dark time would go a hundred miles an hour forward and start accomplishing every, you know, everything they right. touched. What do you think the reason we shut in? And I, shut think, down I think some of it can be to a fault, meaning like it's not a good trait, but that it's you shove it down. So that could be one. But for me, it is getting clarity on, I call it my purpose or my drive, but like I, I follow a guy that he calls it his burn. It's your burn. It's the thing that you wake up and it's just, there's just nothing that can stop you. Now you got to create your burn, meaning a lot of people don't feel like they have a big enough reason, a big enough why, or this drive to become this most important person, but mm -hmm. you can have other burns. Like for my husband, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm battling cancer. So it's very mm -hmm. easy for me to wake up in the morning and be like, I got to go a hundred because I don't know how many days I have. Right. For my husband, what has helped him and, and some people like they might be driven by like a vision board, you know, versus like yeah. their purpose for him. It's like, I will remind him. I'm like, listen, if we can have unlimited resources of money, like his mom has dementia, I go, your mom, yeah. we could fly her down here right now. No questions asked that gets him up and want to like flip wow. a switch. But if you don't have the clarity, like if you're sitting here today, listening, going, I don't even know where I'm going guess what? You won't go anywhere. You'll just keep getting the same thing in your life. Whatever you're putting out there is what, you know, it's going to go towards. Yeah. And it's easier. Yeah. It makes it easier to shut down whenever you don't have something driving you and have that burn. I like, I like how you put that with the burn. Um, and and I, I think it's common, like what you did, I would say is not common for someone to create that burn because we can always find a way to, shame ourselves into not feeling like we have a purpose but yep. regardless of what your bleed is there is still a purpose because you're still created in god's image nothing changes that he still has right. a plan he knew you before you were in the womb so nothing changes that even our stupidity or our fallacy sometimes can't change that so okay right. so we're going forward and you're you know you're 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 just kind of feeding that fire you're just you're accomplishing yeah. at a high level you're training navy military members you're you know starting businesses running businesses so i mean dude what what would you say kind of puts you over the top as far as forgiving yourself or the guilt putting the guilt to bed or because i know we i mean just specifically talking about the the adultery like there's an audience out there that whether it maybe, maybe it's not adultery, but there's some sort of level of guilt and shame. Talk to those yep. people right now that maybe get them free. 
It's, you know, and it's, it's so important to do because I lived in that for probably a solid like seven years where it didn't, there was nothing you could say to me that's not going to make me feel worse that I haven't already said to myself. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. And like, now when I see people down, even in something like that, I am so careful to love on that person because I promise you people that cheat, people that have affairs, they feel like crap about themselves. They, they, I mean, they don't have a good, strong in personal integrity because they're cheating on themselves. Like we all know, I mean, we're kind of inherently born some good things versus bad. Like you don't even have to have parents to know you don't steal. You also know when you get married, like you don't step out. Right. So Mm. it's not like I didn't know that, but, um, definitely, you know, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, if there's, I'm just thinking if there's somebody out there that's battling with that guilt and can't let it go and can't kind of dig into God and dig into if he's forgiven you, so can we type of thing. Yeah. And if you haven't dug into God, I mean, I, I, and I say this, honestly, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. I expect like, I'm a person that I was the offender. So I look at my, you know, my ex-wife, I mean, his ex-wife is here staying with us at the holidays and that's amazing forgiveness. Like that is so incredible. Like I'm not even the person that, you know, did the wrong and I'm still needing, I still need God in, in my life. I think about the person, like, let's say you were the person that's been hurt. Like it's your partner, your spouse that has stepped mm-hmm. out. You know, um, I think just Bible stories, I know it sounds so silly, but seeing other Bible stories where you've seen the forgiveness, like I think for Eric's ex-wife, you know, what she had to learn is forgiveness is for you. You right. letting go is for you. Yeah. And it's not about the other person. It's to free you like from all the feelings, because most times that other person, they walk on with their life. You don't even see them again. And so here you're carrying around, you know, all of that during that time, I would say, you know, not having God, it would be therapy. It would be for me, it was learning to like myself again. So starting with really small, they call it um, your inner child. So we all have like this inner child and this inner child needs to be healed. And so for me, you know, luckily I do have the reminder that God is with me, but people that don't, they, they almost need to heal them. They need to work through the issues that they've had. Sometimes it's writing a letter to yourself. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I mean, I did a lot of therapy on that part, but keeping a small promise to start, like if you are the person that's wronged someone else, you got to start with your personal integrity, your core values. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about, cause that leads a little bit into this personal accountability you have for yourself. Don't you have, didn't you have an agreement yes. you created yes. like a, almost a daily contract with yourself it is. and, and it is. sort of migrating from the topic that we were on, but in just everyday life, this applies. So talk about that. Cause then we're going to lead into some of the, your diagnosis and your battle along that, okay. along those lines. But what, what yeah. led you to create this sort of contract think, you know, with yourself? Because if you close your eyes, you know, I mean, God has created us to be incredible. And most of us, if we are in our dream state, we see ourselves as our best self. Okay. And when we are living as our best self, that's when we actually feel our best. I was not feeling my best and I didn't know where it was coming from. I, I call it the inner critic, but it's that 
voice at night, a lot of times when you're by yourself in bed, that reminds you of all the things you're not doing. So like, <laughs> if you're in business, like, why didn't you do that today? Why didn't you follow your diet? Why didn't you, you know, and I was totally out of alignment. So I started by just jotting down on a piece of paper, like little tasks, to be honest, at first that would just stop nagging at me. And then I came up with an acronym, I call it, you know, banging out my D. So it's B-A-N-G, bang out your D-A-C, which is a daily agreement card. And every single day, I make four agreements. I make a behavior agreement, so the B. I make an activity agreement, the A. I make a nutrition agreement, the N. And I make a personal growth, a growth agreement, G. So I've done this for over, let's see, I've got 866 wins and I've got 178 losses to date. I do a card every single day. And so like right now, my behavior goal is that I do my gratitude, my goals and my journal before 8 a.m. My activity for today was that I have to do no less than 20 minutes of walking. My nutrition is that I'm intermittent fasting until 1pm and that I've got four liters of water. And my growth is that I needed to do my planning for the next 48 hours. So sometimes they're simple. But what it's teaching you is one to be in alignment with your best self you so the goal, the rule is you have to create your card the night before it can't be the next that morning, because they've shown in studies that if you're looking into the future, you always will see yourself more capable, you will always push yourself more, and you will see just a better you. So if okay. it's the night before you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my diet, I'm going to get up at six, I'm going to work out, you know, all those things, right? Yeah. So you do it the night before also, so it marinates, right? Like you go to sleep, and you're already thinking you're not like waking up in the morning, like I'm a mom to five kids, we run a seven figure business, <clears> like I am, I have to really dial in my days. I mean, I get up, you know, no 457 is usually when I'm up, but I'm up early. And I'm right on, you know, I wake up already knowing that these are some of my agreements. Now, what ends up happening with these agreements is over time, you see that you're so good at keeping your promises that you start to add agreements that would help you reach your goals. So like, for me, it's helped me in asking people to come on my podcast, because I'm scared to death to do it. But I know if <laughs> I have to write it on the card, I'm like, and my kids know it's like a joke in our house that they'll be like, oh, did you write it on the card? Because they know then I'm doing it. Like I'll get back out of bed because I'm trying to teach myself. It is not about what you wrote down. It is about that you keep your word. And it teaches you like, hey, self-regulate. Self, um, if you have uh, lost several days, what is it? Is it because you're not stepping up or is it because it was a promise you don't really care about and you think you should be doing? You know, that right, helps. So. Right. I'm obsessed with that. And it's something that I really try to teach people that if you want to feel good tomorrow, yeah. start with one small promise. To your point earlier about what we tell ourselves when we lay down at night and it kind of creates this toxic soil for us to start our next day on. If you're doing what you're doing and you're telling yourself this thing, this schedule, this accountability, these promises mm -hmm. at night, you're replacing those other thoughts yeah. and it's a, yeah. it's on a healthy track versus that sort of toxic track. So, I mean, that's just a, oh, by the and way, words, I mean, that's an it, added value. Totally. And your words matter. I mean, I see it a lot in fat loss because that's just where I see most females. But if you have talked negatively about yourself in an area, and it's been more times than not, when you start to make progress, those pathways in your brain are so deeply ingrained that you will sabotage yourself to go back to reverting to the old. So perfect example is someone that has been, their self-talk is 
man, I never reach my goals. I am never going to get to my weight loss goal, or I just suck at this. I always fail. And those are statements that they've said, this is what happens because your subconscious only works in commands. So that's what it's heard. So what happens is you start to do good. And then you wonder why you suddenly sabotage yourself and puncture all four tires and drive. It's because you've said too much of this. So you've got to start. It's like a 10 to one ratio for every negative word you've said, you need to flood it with 10, you know, positive. And this is all in the Bible. We've all been warned of this. I just don't think we realize it literally will change you. And you're going to hear with my cancer, it's massive game changer in what you say to yourself. My body listens to me. (laughs) Okay. Well then we're going to talk about that because we're talking about, and I would say if we're talking about leading through our bleed, like a diagnosis of cancer would be one of those hemorrhages if we're you know figuratively comparing what that level of bleed is like i think that because you don't know i mean you don't know if it's terminal you don't know you know and so you're fighting year by year with this and and then remission and then back and then those kinds of things so where were you in your i guess journey when this first the onset of this diagnosis and then kind of how you process that because the reason and the reason I ask that is there's people out there right now that are maybe they're dealing with some heavy news or they're mm-hmm. dealing with some seemingly hopeless future, you know, in the in the immediate future, or, or maybe they don't know where their next job's going to come from. Or yeah. So just these little things that that come across our paths, like this is not a little thing, but talk about cancer and how you process that and then yeah. sort of how that transpired along the way so far. Well, when I was diagnosed, I really actually had a lot of guilt and shame because I felt like I had brought this on myself. I had kind of that warped godly belief of like, okay, this is, this is my punishment of really? my affair. Yeah. Because wow. I, my, my daughter was two years old and I, you know, I'd stage four non-small cell lung cancer. So our daughter that we have together, we weren't married yet. So we were just, I was still down in the States. And um, so when I got the the news, I immediately went to just, I brought this on, you know, which was not helpful at all. Wow, and I would say no. the first, cause I went from stage two to stage four, it, it spread to my hip that, you know, within the first year and a half. And, um, after that, I knew when I was, when I was told I was stage four, they told me I had a less than 1% five-year survival rate. And, you know, Leilani was, you know, two at the time I have three other kids, you know, that are older I'm like, you know, I mean, they rely on me. How, why would God want to do this? I also was, I was a very, I've never, I never smoked, you know, I grew up Mormon, we didn't drink coffee, you know? So to also get that diagnosis, I'm really thankful. I didn't go to a place of like, um, looking for why I maybe got it. I mean, I did think spiritually, maybe I did, but I wasn't like obsessed with, you know, getting to that. I've met people that like, they're so, you know, they've been healthy and they don't understand why. So they just keep going into the why when really it is what it is. Right. Right. The first year and a half to two, I honestly didn't handle it. Well, I lived a lot in day-to-day fight or flight. I would wake up in the morning already having fear. And then I realized I couldn't live like this. Like it, I was, everything was kind of a blur with my kids and I wasn't really being as present because I was constantly thinking about it. And I started getting into personal development and seeing that I really didn't have a choice with what mindset I wanted to have. Like I would meet people and I'd see like they had cancer, but they didn't act like a cancer patient or they didn't look like the typical statistic of that. And so I thankfully through accident, it was like success leaves clues. 
I immediately started Google searching stage four non-small cell lung cancer, Ironman athlete or seven figure earners. Like I wanted to find the extreme because I'm trying to live an extreme life. Like I'm not even looking to be average. You know, my kids say, we're not looking to be average. We're looking to be savage. Well, you want to see what look good, what looks good, right? What good looks like. Yeah. So I saw that there was possibility because I saw there was a lady that had had cancer for eight years at that point. And here I was two years. So I'm like, okay, it gives you some hope. So if you are someone right now, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you are going through a divorce, maybe you're like a single mom struggling, go Google search single mom, seven figure earners, single mom, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yes. Like whatever it is that you're after, because when your brain can see like that, it's going to start to chase it. Your body will behave different. I mean, this is how I found um, Chad Wright was listening to him on a podcast, talk about how he knew the moment his co-runner, the endurance runner was going to lose. Right. And it was because he already was saying things and you know what? His body shut down. I see this on a daily basis with me now. I am now at eight years. Um, I've been in remission a few times, a couple times. It's now I've got, it's spread. For, I have two tumors back in my lung right now, one tumor down on my hip. But if I stay in that fear, when my news came back this last time, I allow myself, I always allow myself a day. I don't feel because I used to get upset with myself. So I'm like, well, if I have faith, then why am I even worried? Listen, we are human. We are right. not Jesus. We are not God. Right. I am going in. And, and instead of shaming ourselves, because that's the thing. A lot of us don't realize that we shame ourselves for our behavior when right. if we would just for grace and move on, it'd be quicker. So I now don't shame myself when I do have the bad day, but I'm, I will say, I mean, it's very few because I am very intentional. I have a practice called anchoring that it's about changing your state or vision. So when I wake up in the morning, I immediately go to remembering like examples of people. I know their names. Like I know a girl named Kim that you know, she's the person I was always chasing because I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it too. I can wake up today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and you said two things that stood out to me that I want to make sure I don't miss or gloss over. You said that your kids say, we're not looking for average. We're looking to be savage. Okay. So that (laughs) one, I didn't want to brush over that. We're not looking to be average. We're looking to be savage. So that's going to be on a bumper sticker somewhere in my house. Uh, (laughs) The second thing is when you talk about like shaming ourselves. So there, there is a crossroads. There's a fork in the row with people that they can take the shame and I'm sorry, we can take the fear and it can turn into shame, right? So that mm-hmm. fear can mm-hmm. sort of springboard into shame, which is debilitating, or it can turn into fuel, which is what you've sort of allowed that fear. Cause nobody said having fear is bad. Like we shouldn't right. be, we shouldn't be condemning ourselves for being fearful, right? Because you can't really right. have courage without fear in the beginning anyway. But right. so your fear sounds like turned into some sort of fuel, some sort of spark, totally. some sort of thing that drove you kind of into this mindset coaching thing. Talk about that. I mean, so you're dealing with this cancer. It's like not going away. It's you're dealing with the fear almost daily. And then you're, you're feeling better about it. You get a better report from the doctor and then Again, and then, the season yep. goes by and you get a bad report, you know, so yep. you're on this roller it's coaster. Yeah, very up and down. Um, and it could, you know, it can debilitate a lot of people. And like I said, I meet a lot of people over the years that 
when I go in, it's so much of your mindset. It is so much. I mean, yes, I do daily exercise. I do push my body. I, there's a lot of studies behind that, Mm -hmm. but more than anything, it's, it's, it's your attitude. It's, it's, do you believe you can? And even in your fear, at least choosing to behave in that way. I really am a big believer in strong, um, you need to put yourself in situations that shows yourself that you believe. So for example, when we were shopping for a new house a few years ago, that's not something a lot of people that are dealing with like a cancer diagnosis would do because you're thinking, am I going to be around? Am I going to do this? And still it's, it's you putting the foot forward. It's you booking the trip in the future that says, I'm going to be here. It's if you're, if you're looking for the new job and maybe one of the requirements is black trousers as a uniform, go buy the black trousers. You're telling yourself that you're you're ahead of time. I had a client recently that she reached out. She's like, okay, I'm scared to death to do this, but they had had a lot of mortgage issues due to COVID, right? Like, and they were trying Mm -hmm. to get like a builder loan and they were in the middle of like, if they were going to get denied this last chunk, it was really going to mess them up. Now they had not fully moved out of her last place. And she called me and I said, move out of the last place. You are telling yourself, this is your backup plan. This yeah, is no your contingency plan. plan. Right. Yeah. It. So it was so cool because that night they took, they're like, she's like, well, I'll have to do it later this week, but tonight I'll go take a couple loads over in the car. The next day they got the news that the mortgage went through and it was, you got it because a lot of people in words will have faith show it in your action. What yeah. can you do to show God, to show yourself that you really do believe he has the best interest for you, yeah. that he is out to give you all that you yeah. want, you know, well, talk, talk to the people too, that are out there. Cause I want to know you and your husband, obviously like-minded from a faith, spiritual standpoint, and, and your kids are seeing you guys live this out. When you talk about words that you speak over yourself, like, did you have some scripture that kind of stood out to you that you used sort of as an anchor through some process or things that you said to yourself or does, is there any scripture that you've just sort of made your life? Like you've carried it through your life along the way. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my, my, I put you on the spot. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I'm looking at my, cause I have about, gosh, you know, maybe 10 up here, you know, my Romans eight twenty eight is, you know, all things work together. That's like our, you know, big one, but Um, you know, with my kids, we talk, our, our motto is behaviors are caught, not taught Mm -hmm. so that they, it, it it pushes me. I'm not, I'm, I'm naturally a lazy person. Like I always joke that I'm a former fat kid that I would love to have, you know, cookies and donuts all the time. But what I try to remind myself of is, you know, who do I want my kids to be? Like same with movies, like there might be a TV show I really want to watch, but I know that this is not what is a good example for my children. Because again, a lot of parents are doing as I say, not as I do. And this is, this is the biggest problem. It's like why I will get out with the kids and do the hard work as well, because they need to see that through your modeling. So I'm really obsessed with, you know, I use the word obsessed. Ed Milet uses it a lot and people think it's a negative, but I don't, I'm like no. obsessed means I'm just all in on it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm all in on, even when there's things I don't, you know, want to do, I remind myself that this is something my kids will catch from me. And so that pushes me. And so with them, you know, we got them in personal development, you know, really young, my, our three little ones, they took, um, of course, I'll have to think of his name. I can't think of it. It's called apex, but because, you know, you have to remember sometimes if proximal bias, 
you, like you can't teach someone in your family member. A lot of times, like I couldn't sure, be sure. my husband's fat loss coach because of that proximal bias. So sometimes kids, this is why mentors, church leaders are so important because they need to hear it from someone else. And we're learning that school is not the place that they're that's necessarily going to get it. No, right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I was going to ask you kind of through this process besides your family, like you had to have a crew, like you kind of had to have a support system. Right. And I know you hired, you know, you, you said you had a therapist and you might even have hired a a mindset coach along the way and and you've become that, but is there, what can you say to people about the value in having a crew kind of beyond your family? When you talk about proximal bias, like what's beyond your family? Yeah. Game changer. And I also would say that if it's free, I'd, con- I'd be concerned. And I'll tell you why people that pay, pay attention. And so I've invested. Done, yeah, absolutely. They're invested. I've done free challenges over the years and it always backfires because um, they're, you know, not invested the same skin way. In the and game. so, yeah, yep, you got to have some skin in the game and it doesn't have to be a lot, but I have found some of my best friends through masterminds through like groups on Facebook, where maybe we've all paid in like $50 for a couple months. And, you know, that has made a huge difference to me. And I would tell anyone, because remember, you are the sum of the five people you're most around, the five um, things you most consume, whether it be news, your, what your songs you're listening to, you know, that, that all matters. And if I have clients like that, I see them struggling, like even with Fallas, I'll go, okay, what are your friends like? What's your weekends like? Because yes, you can have discipline and I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty strong disciplined person, but who wants to grind, grind their way through life? Like you find friends that are actually going to be pushing you versus you always doing the pushing, you know, and, and sometimes it is that hard question of asking yourself, do these people really help serve the best me? Do they yeah. help me become my best self? Doesn't mean you have to like cut them off, but I am very guarded. Like I, I have people that have even said, man, we need to hang out. I'm like, listen, I got some pretty strict rules with who's in my core because we don't right. bring gossip. We don't bring drama. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing about- wrong with surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. Like that yeah. to me, like you, you, you kind of play to the level, like you I coach teams and you play to the level of your competition. When you're playing a good team, you play better. And when you're around yep. people who have done it better than you in certain things, you are better in those areas. And that kind of leads me to my next question for you is what about Amy Ledeen's leadership? Are you working on the most? Like, where's the, the point of focus for you as far as the biggest leap of development goes? Right now, my biggest, so I was blessed to meet John Maxwell this last year and he offered to start mentoring me. So of course I'm reading all his books and like leadership. And I think the biggest place I am right now is, so I'm, I'm pivoting from our main brand and I'm branching out and doing some women's group coaching. And instead of what a lot of people in business focus on, which is like the customer, which don't get me wrong, they, every client that comes through will be taken care of. It's my team. It's, everyone that is going to be part of my team, I want to build you up to be your best you. Even if it means later you leave me and go somewhere else, that is, I have found that the more you will pour into the people around you, it always comes back. And it may, and it's usually not even in business. It's you're pouring into them personally. It's you pouring into them and showing them that you care because a lot of people miss that boat. You know, they think that they need to be, 
having another team meeting on a training on how to work their Excel when really it's, Hey, let's create vision boards tonight. Like, what is it that you want out of life? Like, what's Mm -hmm. your big dream and finding that. So right now I'm just learning everything I can so that honestly I can be a, I hate the word influencer, but that's what helps you, you know, lead a team is, is, is influence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're building in yourself the ability to, really shift your focus into yes. making great leaders, not just being a great leader. Yeah. I don't, cause you know what? The impact for that is so small. It is, it's just me. And so it's more about like them going into their homes and being it's, it's people think of leadership as like a boss of a company and it's yeah, so yeah. not the case. It right. doesn't need to be that way. It could be even just it, within your family. It can be in a group of friends. Like, and I find that leadership is the ultimate thing you want to get good at because there's an art because with one person, the way that you are going to respond is not the same that you're going to respond to someone else. And that's the, that's the the gift of being really a really good leader is knowing when it's time to be like, get your butt up and make them rise. And sometimes it's to give them some grace. And, and that's something you have to learn, right? Of course. Of course. I mean, that's, that's perfect. I mean, cause we talked off offline a few days ago about this, crazy craziness that we say of everybody's a leader because not everybody's like buying into that, but like it or not, whether you believe it, it's true. Like yep. we're all, we're all leaders in some way and we can choose to take that seriously or we can just kind of sit back and sit on our hands. But um, back to the, so back to your diagnosis and back to kind of what you're, you're still battling. Um, yes. I guess what are you, um, you, we talked about fear, but, but, is there anything in you that you're, you're still kind of like, is a trigger for you that you're, you're like, okay, I need to, I'm trying to smolder this when these coals start to burn hot again. Like, what is that trigger for you? Like, what's the trigger? And then how do you kind of stuff it back down? Like, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to fall into that. I think um, when it came back this last time, because I really, I, we'd had such a big celebration in January. Like it was a year ago, actually, you know, just about a year ago yeah. when I was, going for surgery and it was a big deal. I'd shared it with everyone and we celebrated when it came back, believe it or not, because of the shame, this just goes to show you like how even this time I realized I still had not forgiven myself because when it came back this time, I was like feeling bad, like that I brought it, you know, like, and then I even felt bad that my family had to go through it again with me and like, cause they get emotional. Right. And so I still, you know, I, I think sometimes we're never really done working on our shame. And just like with personal development, you can't think that there's an end like, okay, I'm, I'm fixed. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the mistake I made. And so I wasn't still working on that daily self-practice of like, Amy, you are loved, you know, Amy, you are, you know, that's why I like to have like that devotional time. Or, I mean, I'm really big on like, you got to find what works for you, but music is my thing. Like worship music, you put me outside with worship music, I will be (laughs) bawling. And it's just the way I feel the spirit. So a lot of people don't, they're not intentional with putting themselves in those situations. I had a day a couple of weeks ago where I literally was on the verge of like texting my husband and ready to pick a fight with him. It was like my own inner child. Like I was just having an insecure moment. Right. Yeah, yeah. And instead I put on, you know, my worship music and there's a lot of power in 
audible singing. Remember, when you sing audibly, it actually blocks in the prefrontal cortex, that place where you can keep in that negative state. And so it'll actually change. So even if you don't know how to sing, sing audibly. And I promise you, like, as long as you can force yourself to do it, there's clinical proof proof that there's a benefit. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me because if you read about like the Bible and the power of music, like there's, it's, you know, for good or bad, that's also be very, very careful with the things that you listen to. If it's not uplifting you, I think that's why worship is just such a game changer for me. It's like, no matter what I know, you know, it can make me feel better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And so that, that fear kind of comes back and then that shame comes back. And, and like you said, are you ever really free a hundred percent of the thought? Maybe not like, but we can be free of what it does to us. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And maybe you'll have that thought and that can just be old because our physiological, we have physiological connections to things. So this is why like you'll see something and your stomach will churn. And even though it's not happening currently, it's a former experience. Like even if you've thought of an old memory, a lot of times people can have that. Yeah. So sometimes the trigger, it's not even real life anymore for you. And you need to stop the physiological trigger. I've had that at times where I have to stop and go, Amy, this is not happening right now. Or Amy, this is not, you know, and really ground yourself to remember that you again can take control of your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because that, that takes us into what you're doing and, and more on what you can tell the audience about how to find you. Cause I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got a cool trip coming up tomorrow and I'm <laughs> jealous. I'm jealous. Uh, but so talk about exactly what you're doing now and for the listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out and maybe kind of, I don't know, get your resources and then maybe yeah. uh, hire you as a coach possibly. Well, for sure. Well, first, always come find all my free stuff. If there's one thing that I've learned over the years, and it's why me and my husband have really honestly been so successful for so many years is we have always added value. I give everything away. I have no secrets. I I have a cookbook that I released 10 years ago and my entire blog had the entire cookbook on it. I'm a big believer that if you add value to people, they, I mean, one for coaching, they still need the accountability. So I can give you your diet. I could actually give you your calories right here. So I always say first dive into all of our stuff because I have a lot of free stuff. I have a, if you sign up for my emails, you can build a health character. Um, My DAC practice is free. Find my podcast. My my podcast is called Effort. It stands for faith, family, fitness, forgiveness, food, and formula. Um, And I have a lot of free, you know, every, every podcast, I try to leave you with a strategy to go away with. Um, if you find me on Instagram, I am taking, um, I have one more week off of like stories just because I want to really enjoy this, um, trip with my family and I, I can get sucked in. And so I'm not going to be on, but typically if you follow me on IG, I am a 4am. I always try to give a lesson in the morning, like just a reminder. So if you are someone that, you know, someone that's down or you're down, come follow me. Cause I'll remind you that you have no excuses. If I can get out during chemo radiation, you know, I, and I don't do it to, to rub it in. I do it yeah. to show you possibility Inspired. because that's, that, that's what it uses that when I find people, right. So find me on um, Instagram. I'm Amy underscore. It sounds like Ledin. So L E D I N is where you can find me. Yeah, man. And it's worthwhile trip. Uh, Cause I went to the website and it's really cool. And the, the podcast is crazy. Like, to, to see what the title is and then to really dig in. It's like, 
oh, okay, we can, we can F it all day long uh, and be okay right. with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So no, g- good for you on all this and, and what you've accomplished and just what you've been through and how transparent you are. Like, I appreciate you sharing what probably isn't always the most comfortable to share, but the story at the end is what's valuable and what you've learned and what you're doing for other people. So one more parting shot for the audience. Like, What's the, what's, what's an inspirational kind of piece of gold you can leave them with right now? I think if you are in, you know, a low place, you, one, there's someone else that's going through something harder than you, including myself. I will always meet someone that they don't have the time that I have. And I'm already feeling that. So one, it's remembering that, you know, there's always someone and force, if you can do this one thing in your life, which is to look for a silver lining in every situation, like force yourself in that moment. Like, let's say you just had a fender bender, force yourself within the first like hour to find one positive thing that came out of that. Maybe it might be, I just learned, you know, let's say it's a fender bender. I learned to keep my, like, luckily it wasn't worse. I learned to keep my phone. You know, maybe it was like your own fault. Anytime I have something negative, I will stop and go, because everything happens for us, not to us. What is going to come out of this? And that has really helped guide me to not get bitter, not get resentment and really just see it as God, you have a really crazy sense of humor. You know, this time when it came back, I was like, no, I am supposed to be the person that has the remission and I have the big miracle. And someone reached out to me and she goes, have you ever thought that maybe, maybe your story is that you're just the energizer bunny. Like you're the person that just shows the endure. I'm like, don't tell me that. She's like, but maybe it is, you know? So, and accepting that, like, I'm really more now at a place like God, just, you know what? I'm at, I'm at your disposal. You, you tell me. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. No, that's a great way to end it. And I appreciate your time today. I appreciate what you've offered and, and what you've shared because it's been gold. It's been beneficial to all of us, not just the audience, but to me too. It's been a blessing to get to know you. Have a great trip. Uh, with that, she's been Amy Ladine. We've been last in line. Be blessed. <laughs>